Okay. So we're gonna do Tisha. We're gonna do it, not Tisha B'av. <laughs> okay, we can do Tisha B'av too. But uh, <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna start with Tubashah. I guess they sound they sound similar. Tonight will be um, one part, and hopefully Merit Hashem next week we'll do we'll do a part two. Um, and this was this is really a hakdama to to what should be a four part shear. Is so. I'm, forgive me for just doing this as a hagdama, but I think we'll walk away with enough to think about, and maybe that's really, really the purpose. It's not for me to give you all the all the details. You'll have to fill in the blanks for yourself. But Tubishvat, the the Mishnah just tells us that Tubishvat is, is Rosh Hashanah Ilanos. It's the it's the somehow somewhere. It's a new year for uh, for trees, and the obvious question is is What's the significance of that? What does that have to do with anything? Um, we don't really engage uh, technically, technically in our lives today. We don't live in an agricultural society. We don't engage with earth and, and nature or mother nature for that matter in a way that's other than just we use nature. Now, hopefully tonight we'll, we'll try to expand our relationship with nature, um, but on a simple level for us, for most of us, not all of us, but certainly for most of us, nature is a practical thing. A tree produces either shade or oxygen, if you want to be, uh, you know, really, really uh, thinking about it. And, and for the most part, we engage with trees as being things that we either cut down to create wood out of or fruit trees, things that produce fruit. Other than that, we don't really commune with nature. It's one of the, one of the lost art one of the lost thing, one of the things we've lost since the industrial revolution and Ashkenazic Jewry is our relationship with nature. And so tonight we'll try to talk about and make make a plug for us to go back to nature, to try to c- connect back to nature, not just the nature of the trees, but the nature of who we are, but also recognizing that it's it's sometimes you have to go into nature in order to go back to the nature of who you are. And that's really um, what I hope I hope we can get to. <clears throat> in this in this uh, little discussion, so everyone knows the famous the famous pasuk. It's a pasuk in Chumash. The pasuk says, "Ki Adam Eitzasada," that uh, man is the tree that stands in the middle of the field. And there's a million and one different ideas that we can take away with that. But the first interesting idea is that it does not say that Tubishvat is Rosh Hashanah leperes. Tubishvat is not specifically a yantiv that we celebrate the fruits that that are 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 uh, birthed by trees, but it's about the trees. So right away it gives us uh, a pause that we're talking about not what you can produce, but the essence of a thing. So that's right. Right, the first beginning of this is to go back to the basics and understand that tubishvat is a yantiv that celebrates the essence of a thing, which for us in our discussions always goes back to asking us ourselves, if we are the, the Ilanos, if we are the trees, if we are, the, are the, um, the celebration, somehow the Rosh Hashanah of Tu is the Rosh Hashanah of the Ilanos for the trees, and we the human beings are the trees, then we have to go back to asking ourselves the question, what is the essence of who we are? Because it's not about what we do, it's more about who we are. So if we want, we can juxtapose. What is the difference between Rosh Hashanah that we have at the beginning of Tishrei and the Rosh Hashanah we have on 
Tu B'Shvat. So the difference can be like this. On Rosh Hashanah, that's called the Yom Hadin. Everything that's happening there has to do with what we do. Of course, it has to do with who we are, but the focus is on what we do. The focus is on Hina Yom Hadin. Hashem is judging us. Hashem is looking at us. Hashem is asking the question on Rosh Hashanah, who's, who are my people? Who are the people that have committed their lives to living out the, 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 uh, the dream that I have for humanity? Who's living out Torah? Ein Melech Beloy Am. Rosh Hashanah is all about uh, uh, exclaiming the, the kingship of Hashem. So that's the focus of that in many ways is about what we do, what we produce, how we live. What are we committed to? What's our function in life? What are, what are we and who are we as a nation in terms of what we bring to the world? Le'umaza, juxtaposed against this, is Tu B'Shvat. Tu B'Shvat is all about the essence. It's not about the peros. It's not about what we can produce. It's about the essence. And the essence always has to do with the neshama. The neshama of a thing. Nishmas kolchai tevarech Hashem kolikim. The neshama is the essence of a thing. You know, today we uh, we we read Parshas Boy, and I had this thought. Uh, I had this thought that over the course of the week, but today I, I put it together. That every one of the makas, the the midrashim teach us different things about what happened during the makas. Let's say with the makah of dam. So when we had dam. Um, so the Medrash tells us that for the, the Jewish people, the water was water, and for the Egyptians, the blood was blood. But it would seem pretty clear that the blood that happened, that all the water turned into blood, it was just a miracle that if a Jew drank the blood, he somehow got water, came out of it. And every one of the makas, somehow, somewhere, it, it affected or it didn't affect, it seems like most of the makas did not affect the Yidin, but there was... One thing that happened by the Makkah of Choshech, the Torah tells us something very, very explicitly. And I think there's something unique about the Makkah of Choshech, which is really, I think it's connected to Purim because every Makkah took place a month preceding the, the one after it. So in other words, every Makkah was spaced out by a month. Makkah's Bukharis was on Pesach. And a week before, a month before that was Purim. That's the Makkah of Choshech. And we know it says, Everything's light, light, everything's light. But what's unique about the Makkah of Choshech, that I don't think it says it by any of the other Makos, is that by the Makkah of Choshech, Hashem created one thing. He created something called Choshech. And in that thing, some human beings reacted to it this way, and some human beings reacted to it that way. It's not as if there were two different things that were created. It's not as if Hashem created Choshech for the, for the non-Jews and light for the Jews. Hashem created, uh, and light for the Jews. Hashem created one thing that was called the Makkah of Choshech. Within Choshech, the senses of a non-Jew picked up darkness, and the senses of a Jew picked up light. If you want to know where you can see the major distinction between the existence of a Jew and the existence of a non-Jew, you look at Makkah's Choshech. In the Makkah of Choshech, the same exact thing, right? Like, who here likes cilantro, right? I haven't, I, I can't stand cilantro. Cilantro tastes like soap to me. I can put it into my mouth, and me and you will taste it like cilantro. But you, you, Khanna raised their hand. Whoever else <laughs> likes cilantro, my wife likes cilantro. 
for them, it doesn't taste that way. It's a different, it's a sense perception, right? In the Mark of Chayshach, it seems pretty clear, just in reading the Pesukim, that the Jewish people experienced the same exact thing that the non-Jewish people did. But we experienced light. They experienced a paralyzing darkness. And that's, I think, a very clear um, explanation of the difference between the essence of a Jew and the essence of a non-Jew. And the very, it's not even an unconscious thing, in the very animalistic phase of who we are, in the essence of what we are, in the nature of who we are, we experience or when Hashem sends that kind of chayshach, that whatever that maka, whatever energy was sent into the world at that time, we experience that as light. So the 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 whole story of Tubishvat is a story about going back to the essence of asking the question, "What am I?" Rosh Hashanah le'ilanos. It's 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 not a it's not a yantiv that we we like we don't sit in shul. There's no isra malacha. It's one of those young tithing that doesn't really have a very large thing. You know, you, we got dried boxer and whatever other dried fruit that the PTA put together. <laughs> so that's that's what we got. And it was really not celebrated as anything. But the Sfarmics show us that, that there's something very deep that's happening. And I think that's the first stage. The first stage is for us to go back to the essence. It's to recognize that it's not just that we have a specific kind of neshama. But we have a specific kind of neshama that also means that we also have a different kind of body. Our essence is completely different than any other creature that exists in this world. Even though my blood is red and a non-Jewish person's body's blood is red, even though that's true, that's true. So in, men, in most of the physiology of what science can tell, there's no distinction between my body and any other human body, any other flesh. In the eights, in the tree that exists between, if I'm a tree and my neighbor who is not Jewish is a tree, our trees look the same. If you chop us open, we'll both blood, we'll, we'll both bleed red. But the, the nature of what I am and the nature of who he is, completely different, completely different. And that's because Hashem put into each of each and every one of us a godly space that's called a neshama, which is completely distinct and separate from that of a non-Jew. So that's number one. Number two, if we understand that everything about Tubishvat is about the essence and it's not about the Peres, then we have to we have to then try to understand what is the relationship between the essence and the offspring. What is the what is the relationship between the essence of the neshama and the expression of the neshama? And that's really what I want to spend our time tonight getting into: is the relationship between the, the my neshama and the expression of my neshama, and where things get lost, because my neshama has no need or interest in doing anything. The neshama is a perfectly contained existence that has no need for anything because it's a chelik elikamimal. And here I think lies the greatest distinction between me as a Jew that has a neshama and a non-Jew that doesn't have a neshama. And the distinction is this, both of us have a chelik elika. Me as a Jew have, have a piece of God within me. A non-Jew also has a piece of God within him or her. The difference is that my neshama is such a piece of Hashem that it doesn't need anything. It is completely fine the way it is. 
which is why we have Shabbos. Shabbos is called the Yom Menucha, the day of rest. Because in the highest state of, of my existence, I don't have to do anything. I mamish don't have to do anything. My being is Kulay Kaddish Vitahar, completely Kaddish Vitahar. That is not the case for a non-Jewish soul. A non-Jewish soul needs to crave. It, it needs something. It needs to move. It needs to grab onto something in order for it to be fulfilled. I'll ask me all of the Buddhists and all of the all of the non the the uh, the non-conventional religionists out there that talk about the need for being as opposed to doing. All that is true, and that's certainly certainly something that they search for, but. The essence of who I am is Kadosh. No non-Jew can reach Kedusha. Kedusha is completely separate from all the, other, all the other nations. That means when a Buddhist is able to enter a state of being, when a person takes, when a person takes a, a um, either has a mystical experience or takes some, uh, takes some kind of psychedelic that allows them to experience a tremendous expanded sense of being, they can reach a certain darg of tahara, of pureness, of, of being complete and whole in that moment, that's fine. But kedusha they can't reach. They can't, they're not kadosh in that moment. And that's the, that's the, the, the greatest distinction between the, my essence as a Jew and the essence of a non-Jew. When Hashem, when Hashem asked, when Hashem created the trees, sorry? What did you say? Oh, so we're, that's exactly where we're going. When Hashem asked, when Hashem created the trees, so Hashem said to the trees, I want you to create fruits. And there's a, it's a famous Rashi. Rashi points out, The Pasuk says, Hashem told all the trees to produce eight a tree of fruit. Rashi says she tamha ketam that the that the the you should have a tree. I'm sorry, the tree should produce a bark and wood that tastes the same thing as the peros. That means if my essence is kadosh, if my essence, if the essence of a tree is kadosh, that means that my capacity to exist in this world is to be completely kadosh, that means that really, essentially, if my neshama is running the show, then everything about me is aligned underneath the neshama. That means everything that's expressed from within me is, is all kadusha. My neshama has no need to go anywhere, but that my neshama exists inside of my body. My body has an ego. The neshama has containers, has clothing, it has what's called levushim, it has things that contain it, that's right next to the neshama. Those are the servants of the neshama. They're meant to be the servants of the neshama. They're meant to express my neshama outwards into this world. I'm meant to express the kedusha of who I am into this world. That's what I'm meant to do. That's this whole project that's called Judaism is all about Hashem saying to you and me, you are the only ones that have kedusha within you. Jews don't have Kedusha. You have Kedusha. I want you to take that Kedusha and express it into this world. You don't need to create anything more. 
Just be exactly how you are. Be exactly how you are and just allow that Kedusha to emanate, to emanate and manifest. All of these words that a non-Jewish person would could say about emanating and manifesting and manifesting your dreams and becoming who you are, it's all great, it's all beautiful. But the, pro- the only difference is they can't emanate Kedusha. They can't emanate holiness. Christians can only emanate holiness if they go to a person that died on a cross. They themselves are not Kadosh. <clears throat> In Islam, it's a little bit different, but, but there's the same essential recognition that we have that if a Jew emanates themselves, they're emanating Kedusha, complete and utter Kedusha. What was the mistake that the trees made? The trees didn't follow what Hashem asked them to do. And there's a million different ways of explaining this. The problem was, and that's what the Pasuk says, but the, the, the earth brought forth trees, the eights, oisa, pri, that the tree made a fruit. Once you make a fruit, that's your own creation. Now you're creating. Now your ego stepped in and you're starting to create. Now you're not manifesting anything. Now you're creating. You want to create? All right. So now already we're on different, we're on different playing fields. And it's, it's another share that I re, that I recorded. I didn't I did this quietly um, a few months ago. Um, that Rav Cook, Rav Cook talks about that the this this is the whole problem. The whole problem of the Khait of Adam Rishon was this that the ego got in the way, that the trees were told, don't create anything more than what you are, just manifest yourself completely. Open up, rip open all the levushim of who you are and just allow your own kedusha to emanate. And the tree said, no, 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 no. We're going to make something. Well, well it's fine. Don't worry about it. We're, we're going to make something. The moment I start making something, then I'm already expressing something of my ego. Now, the ego is something that all human, all human beings share in common. That's how we can all go to therapists and we can all... We can all borrow wisdom from the outside world. That's all fine and dandy. That's great. But Kedusha, that's not something we can, that, that's not something we can do. Now, I want to go to the first, the first, uh, the first Maramakam that I sent out to read this in Rav Kook. <clears throat> To define Kedusha, someone asked on the chat, to define Kedusha, so Kedusha means that with all of the different uh, uh, theologies and deists and energies and all the different, you know, madregas of what religious God and, you know, whatever God means in all the different things, we believe that that there's one Rabbi Nishleilam, that that Rabbi is of the highest, highest degree, and that Hashem infused in, uh, in us an unadulterated and unfiltered piece of himself, and that he put that only into Jews. He didn't put that into anywhere else. Any other human being that has divine uh, experience or divine ingredients does not have this thing that's called Kedusha, that means that they got a more filtered uh, variation of that, of that energy that's called God. That's the, that's the best that I would do now. And that's the reason why 
we have Torah mitzvahs. That's what all of Torah mitzvahs is meant to be, is. We'll, well, hopefully we'll get to that at the end of the year. All of Torah mitzvahs is the expression of my neshama outwards, the expression of my neshama outwards. All the actions that exist in this world require ego. On the highest madrega, nothing in Torah requires ego. On its highest madrega, when a person's being Mekayim Torah, there's no ego at all. There's no tzivoy, there's no commandment. There doesn't have to be a commandment. If the neshama was left alone to do its own, that means if the neshama was an eighth pre, the neshama would just, would just intuitively know, here's Shabbos, this is Shatnas, this is, uh, this is don't eat the chazer, this is this, this is that. Without any shadow of a doubt, the neshama would, would just emanate Rav Kook says in the first in the first piece, Shmaina <clears throat> Kvatsam. Right, right in this period of my life, this is my favorite, my favorite uh, thing to learn. Is Rav Kook's Shmaina Kvatsam, his eight journals. This is Shmaina Kvatsam Vav, the sixth journal, letter Resh Pei Dalid, 284. Rav Kook writes, Hayaldus our pure childhood, pure childhood. So fegas he bekirbes is like a sponge absorbs within it the purity of 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 this earth. It desires life with its pure nature. Mifaim, what does that word mifaim mean? Mifaim hu beloizu hamase rak belev hayelad hatohar. I believe what it means is, is that it has a desire without any filters, just like, like the pure heart of a child. It desires life. It desires life without any boundaries and without any destructiveness. He flows or she flows in a straight way from the fountain of life. Right? Rav Cook's using a word here. Zoreim is to flow. Right? We all know that, that word. We've if you've, if, you're, if you've read the book Flow, you know what that means. If you know what it means to be an expert at anything and to be, be the top of your game on anything, then, sorry, one second. Sorry. Huzarein b'derech yeshar me'ma'ayin If a child is completely tuned into the fountain of life. That means a child is completely tuned into Hashem. That means a child in its nature is completely tuned in to godliness. That means if you want to know what an expert is, an expert is someone who, who is so good at doing something that when they're in their zone and they're in their flow, they're not present. They're totally not present. They're simply just letting the flow of whatever it is they do just come out. And exist outwards. From the great library, from the, the great universal library of life itself. And it 
fills up with the exuberance, with tremendous excitement and tremendous purity, the soul of childhood. Habas HaKodesh Shel Hayaldos Betuma, the holy expression of a child in its, in its simplicity, Kolelas Es Hatamtsitz the expression of children is so pure that it contains within it much more of a tangibility of idealism. And in its own holiness, it, a child's perspective on life he sees life or she sees life with such an authentic purity that they're able to see the purpose of life as is. Right? They're not confused. There's no filter on a child's mind. When a child, that's why children don't are very hard to hold grudges and resentment, because there's no ego. It just life flows. The natural flow of life is you put you drop seeds in the ground and a tree just goes. And if, and if the tree, the, the original tree, which really means man, if the original man would not have allowed their egos to get in the way, then the tree would have produced fruits that tasted just like the tree itself. And the tree itself would have tasted just like fruit. The Gemara says that the world only exists for the Hevel PM which is usually translated as tefillah, but it means pashup shat. Hevel pia means the discussions of children, the, the conversations of children, right? It's like when we're, when, we're, when we're children, if we are allowed to exist on our own, if we are allowed to be natural and have our natural own, our own expressions on our own of just life, then life would be perfect. If which says like this, and this is really step number one in why you asked me what the name of the shir is. So I'm, I think I'm naming this the, the dawn of a new man. It's not, I don't know if it's my place to say this, but I, I'm comfortable to say this and make a comment like this. Up until this point, our Yiddishkeit has been one of Chinuch. Chinuch mostly means we are being taught. External teachings about Torah, about Yiddishkeit, about Hashem, about our Messiah, about our traditions, we're being taught. That's most of the way we are. When we're, by the time we hit five or six years old, we are sent to school. And most of what we do in school is we, we learn. <clears throat> That's Chinuch. And the distinction between Chinuch and Messiah is that Messiah is not about teaching. Messiah is about cultivating. To Masur is to hand over something. To hand over something means to hand over inner wisdom. That means I'm going to give you wisdom of how you can be you. That means in Primius, the difference between Chinuch and Messiah is, Chinuch is I'm telling you how to be. Messiah is I'm taking you and I'm going to grow you. I'm going to raise you. I'm going to have you learn how to emanate yourself, how to express yourself, how to grow yourself. Up until now, we have lived a Yiddishkeit 
that has mostly been one of survival. And certainly after the Holocaust, it's been one of survival. And most of what we've been taught is, we've been taught, we've been taught and taught and taught and taught. And it's beautiful and it's important. And we need to know halacha and we need to know how things are meant to be. But there's been a, a shift recently, I think. There's been a shift as far back as three years ago or two years ago. There's a tremendous shift that's taking place in the world. And the shift is that people are rejecting the old and looking for something new. We're looking for much more Messiah than we are for Chenath. That means, if in my translation of what Messiah means, we are looking for the human element. We're looking for the essence. We're looking to go back to the essence. And what we're looking for is not just the Yiddishkeit, but we're looking for a life that is about emanating who I am and not being Mekayim, some foreign external thing. But again, when I say this, I'm saying this with the full recognition that if my neshama is allowed to soar on its own, it would be Mekayim every mitzvah, every diaraisa, every dirabanan, and, and every minag. The way my neshama is today, I am tuned in, so are you, so is every one of us. My neshama is tuned in to, on my own, be able to express everything that there is in halacha. The problem is that we have an ego. That, that's the problem. And that's been the age-old problem since the beginning of time. And the response that most of Yiddishkeit has taken is, is chinuch. We, I, we learn, learn. Do this, don't do this, because you're you're so far gone. Your ego, our ego has been so, has corrupted us so much. You need to learn. This is bad. This is good. This is good. This is bad. It's a hurry. It's a toy. You have this impulse, that impulse. You can't do this. And I'll have to do this. All of that stuff. Well, I, I see this, and I think this is true. And I think this is true of me. And I think this is true of many of us. And I think it's probably true of beyond many of us, that we are, we are in a new era where people want to go back to the essence. We don't want to live a Yiddishkeit of survival. We want to live a life that's thriving as Jews. Again, to live a Yiddishkeit of survival means that Yiddishkeit is a religion. We, are, we live, this is our religion. This is what we're taught to do. Do this, don't do this. And you live your life and you do your thing and hopefully you do everything you need to do. We are going back to a, a stage where people are saying, I don't want something external. I can't handle something external. Many people would say, this is, you read the Sadaris, and I think it's just the opposite. It's the opposite of you read the Sadaris. What we're saying is, I don't want eights as a pre. I don't want that my eights, my essence, has to somehow figure out how to manage to express something for some distant God somewhere. We're done with that. Many of us are done with that. I think our generation is done with that. We, it doesn't speak to us anymore. And I think that, that what we're looking for is an eights pre. We're looking to live a life where who I am is expressed in how I live. That's true of, of what's going on with the internet. It's true of even now, just the shifts that are happening with, with COVID, where people, people are able to now recreate their whole schedules, recreate their whole lives, People are leaving their jobs. People are changing careers. People are, re, are, re, are changing them, themselves. And I'll include this in there because I think this is, part of, this is part of it. People are changing their genders. People are changing everything about themselves. People are looking for identity. All of that stuff is a perversion of the same thing. It, and that is, who am I? 
I want to go back to a state of asking the question of Tubishat, who am I? Eights pre. I want to be authentically me. I don't want to live a life anymore of eights isopri that I'm I somehow have to express something for something external. I want to have Dvekas with the Rabbanishlaim here. I want to recognize my neshama in me. I don't want to go somewhere else to get you know otherworldly inspired by something somewhere else. I want it to be a part of me. I need it to be a part of me. Absolutely capable of this. We are absolutely capable of this. I think that our generation is very much the ones who are experimenting with this. And I think that with all the shifts in technology that are taking place in a generation or two, if Mashiach doesn't come yet, people will live much, 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 much more sophisticated lives. The human beings will be much more sophisticated. And, and I want to go, I want to go into that now for a minute. So that's so we're we're unpeeling the onion of, of this of this thought. Okay. So LMI, so there's a mistake. The mistake that was made, which is what all of this gullus was, is that the eights isopri, that the tree expressed something of its own ego. And already that began, that began the perversion. Now things are not are not moving in the direction anymore because now things are getting saturated with ego. They're getting saturated with intellect. They're getting saturated with, oh, you think you can do it better? You know, you don't want to just you know, you don't want to just emanate your kedusha. You want to find a way that you could make your kedusha something. You're, you're not, you're, you're not going along with the system. Okay, don't go along with the system, and let's see what happens. And all of this gullus that we've been through, all of this not being, in, all of this dislocation that we've been experiencing, both as a nation and individually, with all the suffering and all the chaos that we experience, all of it, all of this gullus is this tension between being an eights pre and being an eights isopri. So we have to contend with the eights isopri. So what did Hashem do? So Hashem gave us a trick, not a trick. He gave us a trapdoor. And the trapdoor is, this would make your question of, can we do this? It makes the question a million times harder. Because the trapdoor boils down to desire. The trapdoor boils down to desire. Everything goes back to desire. When Adam and Chava ate from the Eitzadas, the Svarim teach us they, they didn't have a desire to eat from the Eitzadas. It was ego. It wasn't that they looked at the tree and they said, or they looked at the fruit and they said, oh, wow, I really feel hungry inside. It wasn't about hunger. It was about a, a calculation that they made, that they made a mistake, and it had to do with their ego and bringing their ego into it and, and a very lishma and all that. You know, it's, a, it's a whole, I don't, I don't know it or understand it as best as I could. It's a whole sugya. But what Hashem gave us is desire. And here I want to go to um, to uh, I think it's the last, it's actually the last thing that I that I that I sent out. It's the title that comes from the Zara Kaddish. <clears throat> We're not gonna learn, I, I don't, I don't pretend to understand most of the Kabbalistic stuff here, but, but there, is, there is one Nakudu here. So the Zara Kaddish, it, the, this comes from the Sefer called Kvaydim Ali Oilam. The Zara Kaddish says as follows, Mashigadan Hatzmechem Huayidei Chuka. So just to, to, to read through this quickly, this paragraph, 
Aleph and Hey. The letters of Aleph and Hey. We're just gonna, we're not gonna if you in the printing that that or the picture that you have, if you have it there, um, we're gonna go through just the stuff that's inside the brackets. We're not gonna, we're not gonna learn the stuff that's outside the brackets. So in Hebrew, but is Aleph and Hey, Nivru Hashemayim. That when Hashem created heaven, Hashem created heaven with the letters Aleph and Hey. Right? The first letter of S is Aleph. The second letter is Hey, S Hashemayim. Vav and Hey. Voice is Vav Hey. Nivra Haaretz. The world was created with the letters Vav and Hey. And everything that's within it. So Aleph, Hey, and Vav and Hey, both those, that combination of letters, that's how Hashem created the world. Okay? The Zarakadr says, from the letters Vav, Hey, which Hashem created the earth, Nitna, in the letters Vav Hey, in those letters, Hashem infused the world with a chuka. Chuka means desire. Desire does not exist in the neshama. Let's understand this. The neshama exists in a state of manucha. Chuka, desire, exists in my ego. Shuka exists in my ego. Desire exists in my ego. The Buddhists want to, de- want to demolish desire. They don't want anyone to desire anything. Don't be attached to anything. I have no attachments. Shuka means desire. Ma'oseh vav hey in the earth, in the earthliness, in my ego, in my animal soul, in my nefesh ha-bahamas, nefesh ha-chiyunis, in my animal soul, nitna shuka. Hashem put chuka into all of the trees and all of nature that existed in earth that they should have a desire to grow. This is what Chazal teach us. There is no grass or blade of grass that, down on earth that doesn't have a malach up in Shemayim uh, that doesn't have something up in Shemayim that corresponds to it. But Shemer Oisein watches over it. Shemake umachriach Oisev Oimer legadel. Everyone knows this, right? I think Rashi says this. That there's no that every blade of grass has a malach up in Shemayim that hits the grass and says grow, 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 grow. But based on the Zara Kaddish, it's not hitting with force, it's the opposite. It's hitting with chuka. Every time that the malach hits a piece of grass and says grow, he's infusing the malach with more chuka, with more desire. More desire, more desire, more desire. I have desire. I want to express. I want to bring. The ego, all the ego wants to do is, the ego wants greatness. The ego wants to express greatness into the world. It wants. It has desire. It has ratzon. It wants. If you take the neshama, which is pure and kadosh, and you marry it to the ego, what you have is an eights oisapri combination that works perfectly. You have the neshama, which is the authentic beauty and kedusha of Hashem, 
you have the ego, which is the capacity to want and desire to grow. And you marry those two things together, everything then has the potential to become great. The problem is that chuka usually leads to taiva. And taiva means desire. It's the way we, the, we, we understand it. Impulses, we all have impulses. Everyone has impulses. And the problems are begin, and this, this is what happened after the chait of the Eitz is that our impulses get in the way of everything. And that's the story of man. That's the story of man. If we were left to be on our own and we didn't have an ego and Hashem didn't want us to contend with an ego, then our neshamas would radiate in such a way that would just, Hashem would be manifested in everything that we see. The problem is that we have an ego. And the ego is something that we need to contend with. And the major, major aspect of the ego is, and it's what the entire earth was created with, and that's what the Zara Kaddish is saying is, the entire earth was created with chuka, chuka, desire. I want something. I'm compelled for something. I, 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 I have a, a desire, a craving, a yearning, fill in, fill in the blank. And that's really the, the, the challenge that all humanity has. I want. Now, why do we have that? Why is that put into us? Why do we have an ego that wants? Because Hashem says, if I just gave you an ashama to exist the way it is, then there's no difference between me and this world. And me and this world is one and the same. In other words, if I'm stripped down, bare, excuse me for, for saying this, if I'm stripped down to the bare nakedness of who I am, I'm Hashem. So what does Hashem need a world for? Elamai. The whole project of, of this world is for every one of, of his people that has an ashama within him, that has pure Kedusha within him, for every one of us to take a step away from him and then come back to him, to be disconnected and use the ego, use the chukah of the ego to find its way back to Hashem. That's the tachlis, that's the entire purpose of life. If I was an ashama without any ego, then I would, be ex- I would be completely expressed and manifested in this world as Hashem, in which case there's nothing to manifest, there's nothing to express. It's all just obvious. But Hashem said, I want there to be a, a creature and a creation so that there can be a disconnect for somebody to, to find me, for someone to search for me, for someone to want me. I needed to create a vacuum so that someone can fill it. I needed to create desire so someone can fill it. I needed to create an emptiness so someone can fill it. If 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 there if there's no emptiness, there's nothing to fill. That's the tachlis of life. So there's chuka, there's disconnect for the sake of reconnect, right? That's the whole purpose. Okay. If there's chuka, if there's chuka. So now the question becomes, one second, before we go back, before I go there. So now the question becomes, what am I desiring? Is my desire a reflection of my neshama or is my desire a reflection of of my impulses? Is my desire a reflection of, I am taking my ego to express my soul or or is my desire 
is what I appreciate is the things that I find beautiful are those things just of the ego. That's the question. In, in plain and simple English, is this an impulse or is this a sophisticated interest in something? The highest level of the most sophisticated interest is when I am led by my soul and my ego is used to manifest my soul. But for most of us, we're not living in that, in that state. And even when, when we do, it's not a constant. So I want to go then now to the second, the second piece, uh, the second thing that I sent out. This is also from Rav Kook. This is just a sentence from a larger piece in Rav Kook in Shmaina Kvatsim. You have that one? Maybe it's the third one I sent out. I, I, I'm not sure the order. Yeah? This is a, a very, very profound teaching. This is not just found in Rav Kook's teaching, except that the fact that it's found in Rav Kook's teaching says something to us very, very important. You cannot experience the beauty of this world. Right? If beauty is in the eye of the beholder, then it doesn't just mean that I have this taste and you have that taste. If something's beautiful to me, that means that somewhere, somehow, I am seeing a mirrored reflection of something that's in my show. If I look at this piece of art and I say, that's beautiful, then what's really happening is, this is, this is very deep and you have to hold on to this. You got to know this. That's why you have to understand psychology. But it's very important to know this. This is a very important insight. If I see a, a, a piece of beauty somewhere, I have to recognize that the beauty that I see in that thing is a projection of my neshama. It's not your beauty, it's not that beauty. It's that if I appreciate that as being beautiful, I am somehow projecting a piece of my neshama onto that beautiful thing. That's just the flower. That's just, that's just colors together on a paper. The fact that I see it's beautiful, the fact that I can appreciate the beauty means that I am seeing a projection of my neshama. In my gishim esayoy I can't experience the beauty in this world it only works based on that which I experience is beautiful in my neshama. That's how everyone has different tastes. People have different tastes in what looks attractive in other people. People have different tastes in, in music. And some people don't even like music. Some people have different tastes here, different tastes there. At the end of the day, it all has to do with my ability to experience my own neshama. I want to read the, the Pirish that, uh, that this, the, this uh, Asaf Pasi wrote. It's a, a little, little book that I picked up. It was the first book I ever picked up in Rav Kook. And I can't stop reading it. Listen to, what he, listen to the way he, he, he writes and he, this person explains Rav Kook's writings. There are people that are, are, are very, it's very cool to show them things. Because they know how to be moved, right? They, they live in a state of being curious and they, they can be moved. They know how to be turned on. They know how to, how to be inspired. The Pisgah Zoo, in this little teaching from Rav Kook, he says, There's another added explanation why. Rav Kook, he said, Rav Kook is explaining something deeper as to why 
those people that are easy to be moved, those people that are easy to experience beauty, those people that are, that are curious, it's so exciting to show them something cool. You know why? He says, the beauty that those people see is the beauty that they are found, that is found within them. They are able, people who appreciate beauty are able to gather all different kinds of beautiful things, either in their memories or in their life. They can gather all kinds of beautiful things because their neshamas are filled with beautiful things. When I see something that's beautiful, my automatic reaction, the first thing I need to recognize is I am now moved because there's something in me that's beautiful. There's something in me that's beautiful. The more I desire that thing, that means that there's something in me I'm desiring about me. It doesn't mean to remove ourselves from beautiful things. It's the, it's the exact opposite. I need to gather beautiful things into my life because when I gather beautiful things into my life, I am now choosing to engage with the beautiful things within me. If I dismiss the beautiful things and the beautiful people from my life, and I try my hardest to just tune into the beauty of who I am, it's not tangible enough. I need the beautiful things in my life to engage with in order to retune back into the beautiful things within me. But don't for a minute think, and this is the biggest mistake that we make. The biggest mistake we make is we think that the beauty is outside. If I think that the beauty is over there and it's not about me and I start to feel jealous because that person has that beautiful thing, that experience outside is beautiful, that thing is beautiful, but I'm not beautiful. Now, what you've done is you've created a tremendous disconnect between your neshama and your ego. That's what it means to have a disconnect between your neshama and your ego. To have a disconnect between your neshama and your ego is when you make the mistake of thinking that that which is beautiful is not within you. That's the, when the ego is untethered and the ego is running around doing things, the ego is jealous, the ego is filled with gluttony and lust and desire and impulse and all kinds of crazy things, thinking that it needs to take something from the outside and bring it in. Shuka that comes only from the ego, but doesn't come from the neshama, shuka that comes only from the ego is completely untethered and is completely living in a world of oblivion and chaos. It just wants and grabs and wants and grabs all over the place. And that's why for the last 2000 years, all we've heard about is the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara. The ego, the ego wants, it just wants, it's bad, it's bad, repress, 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 repress. The paradigm of our life today the paradigm of our life today is we're not interested in hearing anymore about character defects. We're not interested in hearing anymore about how bad you are, about how bad your impulses are. I heard Rabbi Waiwa Jacobson say this. I, I, Baruch Shekivanti, I have this written in my notes somewhere. That when a person represses, when a person denies, or a person gets angry and judgmental against their own impulses, when a person criticizes themselves, then you're being over the Isser Tsar Belechayim. Because you're also an animal. We are also animals. And animals feel lazy. And animals feel contempt. And animals feel rage. Those are all animalistic feelings. And if you are to judge yourself or criticize yourself or unhealthily try to repress yourself, you're now destroying an animal. It's abuse. Don't abuse yourself. <clears throat> to me, I call it Chil Ha'adam. 
It's called Chilo Adam. We are living in, an, in, in, in the times of Mashiach where what we're looking to do is we're looking to reconnect the desirous part of ourselves, the chuka of ourselves with what's found in our neshama. Because any desire, there's no desire that exists in this world that does not have a reflection in the neshama. These are the words of Rav Kook. You cannot experience beauty in this world. If there's something beautiful out there and I notice it, it means there's something beautiful in here. And, and if I can't have it and I want it desperately and I pray for it, it means that I have to stop looking at it and try to figure out what is it about that that's cooking inside of me. An addict who's living their life craving something that they can't have, what are they craving? Of course, they're craving godliness. But it means that they're craving something that's broken inside themselves, something that's missing inside of me that I know is there. If I didn't know it was there, if I don't feel like it's there, then I'm not missing it. LMI, if I'm craving something, it's my job to figure out what is it about that thing that I'm craving because somewhere, somehow it's reflective of something in me. If that crack is something that is so beautiful to me, if that terrible thing is something so beautiful for me, I need to figure out what is it about that thing that's reflecting from my neshama. This is the trapdoor. This is what our job is, I think. Our job is in this world, this life right now, is to learn what our chukas are, what our desires are, what our impulses are, and to learn what they mean for us. What is the beauty that's within us that is looking to see ourselves reflected and manifested in this world? I'm going to keep moving. I know it's, it's getting a little bit late, but I, I want to keep moving. Because there's really um, one more piece of this. If this is true, if it's true that all the beauty that exists in this world is really a reflection of something beautiful in me, and that means, as we're putting it together, that my chuka, my desires are really coming from a very deep place inside of me. My chukas, my ego that houses my chukas are really looking to manifest my neshama in this world. If really, as we're saying, I want to go back to a state of eights pre and not live in a disconnected state of eights isa pre, if that's really true, then it means two things. It means A, I have to look at my desires and B, I have to look within. And I have to remember that there's nothing out there that is beyond me. Sha'as Ali called Sarki, Hashem gave me everything. The entire world exists within me. That's what we were saying in the first piece. That a child, when a child lives in pure flow, when a child is completely exuberant and, and uh, authentic, the child contains all of life within him. He flows, it flows straight through him. He doesn't exist. There's no, there's really no ego that's getting in the way. A child has the capacity to tune into life itself. And we are all, we were all once children. We all know, we all have the memory of children of childhood. We all have an inner child. We all have the capacity to tune back into the essence of something. Rav Kook says in Shemayin Kvatsim Ches, Reish Tesvav, Rav Kook says, 
Hatzadikim hagedolim meleim ahavahem. The big tzadikim are filled with love. The ahavasim hagedola and their big love, they have such an unbounded and uncontained love. They, they, the big tzaddikim have a love that's so big that it can't fit into anything. Because again, now let's just go back to what we were just saying. If my chuka is something that's about me, and it's really not about that thing, that means that that thing over there is really a reflection of something in me. What's bigger, my neshama or that piece of art? My neshama, without a shadow of a doubt, <clears throat> right? Don't make for yourself a, a graven image. Don't make, don't make images of, of things. That means, what does it mean on a deep level? It means don't tor- turn your craving into thinking that it's about something external from yourself. When, when, when you look at an awesome piece of art or you look at something that takes your breath away, Recognize that that's beautiful, but somehow you got to take that inspiration and reflect it back inside yourself and say, if I'm capable of experiencing awe, there's something in me that's aw- that's awesome. I was going to say awful, but but there's something Freudian. Freudian slip. If there's something awesome about that, there's something awesome about me. The greater my capacity to experience beauty outside is the greater the capacity to experience beauty inside. The greater the beauty inside, the greater the capacity to experience beauty outside. It's only the more spiritual ones who crave. It's only the more spiritual ones who desire. The more desirous you are, the more spiritual you are. Because that means the more you, you're infused with that midah of chuka, like the Zarek others were saying, that, that there's a mak, there's a, a, a malach that stands up in Shemayim and hits all of earthliness and says, grow, 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 desire, 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 more desire, more desire. If that's the case, that means if you flip things around, it's not about anything that lives externally to you. It's all about what you have inside of you. The big tzaddikim are filled with love. Their love is so great that it can't, it, there's nothing that contain it. There's nothing that can contain it. Because everything in life, even the Grand Canyon, the most beautiful painting in the world is still small compared to their own love. There's nothing that's as beautiful as the neshama. There's nothing that's beautiful uh, about knowing your neshama. The tzaddikim are the people that live in such a state of knowing their neshamas, of being awed by, the, by, by who they are, by being awed by the kedusha that's imbued to them by Hashem, that everything that, that, that they can experience as beautiful is something that's small. Anything that they can love or desire is much smaller than themselves because they are a piece of Hashem and they're connected to that which is the most awesome and most beautiful. And there's nothing that can fulfill their, their love. Only, only God. Only God. And this is really what brings this whole conversation full circle. In the essence of things. In the essence of things. Of course, it's important that we have an ego. And of course, we need to live on planet Earth. And we sometimes need to take steps and not fly. We need, to, we need to do those things of living in a concrete reality. There's no doubt that we need that. But we have to recognize that, that in the big picture of things, the desires that we have and the things that we hold as beautiful in our lives are reflections of what exists in our neshamas. And that which is reflected in our neshamas is only God. It's only godliness. 
Rav Cook somewhere else writes that the whole purpose of tanug, of, en- of enjoyment, of pleasure in this world is if you can taste the pleasure in a, in a slice of pizza, you could recognize that that pizza came from Hashem. Then you recognize that Hashem is as delicious as a slice of pizza. And, or as he's saying here, that there's that the higher dargi you get, you realize that all the pleasures in the world pale in, the com- in comparison to the pleasures of, of Hashem, of being, of being godly, of being in Hashem's midst, of being in a state of la'irara kiati imadi, you know, when you, when you, when you go through a hard time, recognizing that Hashem's there with me. Everything that exists in this world is loved. Everything that exists in this world, whether you are abused, I'm sorry to say this, if you are an abuser, everything that exists in this world is love. Everything that exists in this world is love. Why? Because everything is an expression of Hashem's light. And that's the mistake that the tree made. The mistake that the tree made was Hashem said, be a tree that is fruit. Just be. Don't muddy the waters. Don't filter your brain into the middle of this. Just be. Allow my words to flow through you and allow yourself to just be led and flowed by the awesome Kedusha of what I am. And the tree had to mess it up. And the tree had to say, you know what? Oh, okay. You, you want me to make a tree? You want me to make fruit? Oh, okay. I'll make fruit. I, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a little schnook to be able to say this out loud, to, to, to talk about our, our Messiah uh, in a way, but for us, on our Madrega, there, there's, the world is, the, the whole advent of modern psychology, first of all, was all started by Jews, that for the first 50 years, 98% of them were all Jewish. Um, and they were all men at the beginning too. Now it's all now it's all been taken away from the Jews, and it's all it's all uh, and it's all women. But but the whole advent, the whole concept of modern psychology, the reason why so many of us find such a hard time of connecting to a Yiddishkeit that is survival mode, is that never before did humanity live with such a breath of emotions. Never before. Did humanity live with such a sophisticated way of experiencing interest, desire, art, luxury? Humanity has been completely expanded compared to where it was 10 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. And the problems that are, that are happening is if you take a Yiddishkeit, if you take a way of life that, is, that was born in survival mode in a thousand years of Gullis in, 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 in in, uh, in, in Europe, and then a Holocaust. And what the big tzaddikim did during that time, when they came, when they came out, what the, our G'dayli Hadars did to preserve Yiddishkeit in the way we know it today is, is absolutely amazing. But it's old school. It doesn't fit anymore. And what's happening now is that people are looking for a Yiddishkeit that tunes into the frequencies. We live on many different frequencies. We are much, much more sophisticated. We're much larger. It's not a Eurydice Hadaris that so many people are seeing therapists. It's the opposite. It's a shame that it takes a crisis to bring us into therapy. But the purpose of working oneself out, it's not just to get you to be a better person. To work oneself out means I'm working out 
all of the different frequencies that separate me from the eights pre. Um, I, <clears throat> we have <clears throat> gotten so far away from this concept of letting God flow through you that Hashem has now given us access through emotions and through living lives that are much, much fuller on the outside and is asking all of us to un unravel it, unpack it, take it apart, look at it, take off all the layers of the onion, take off all the wrapping papers, right? It's like, it's like what was, what's that game that, and you, you go around, you, you pass the present, right? Thank you. Um, th that's what Hashem's asking. And every time you unwrap another layer, you don't just find a new present. Everything shifts. Every time you, 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 you tune into another part of who you are, everything shifts. The whole, your whole world shakes and changes. The protean man, right? The man who's constantly in, in, inventing themselves. This is a whole new generation of people. It's a whole new kind of man. It's a whole new tree. What? It's the dawn of the new man. And that's the reason why so many people are looking for chasidus. It's the reason why so many people are looking for spirituality. It's the reason why so many people are going for therapy. And it's, it's one of those things that, that all of us, I think, somehow need to be a part of, especially if, we're, if we've been to a therapist or, or, or we're thinking of going to therapy. We all have to somehow keep our eyes on the ball that Hashem wants us to find a way to become a new kind of man, a new kind of humanity that's able to reconnect to Hashem through this derech that's called Eitz Pri, of finding my neshama, of finding my individuality. Within finding my individuality, I recognize my relationships with others, but it's to find my individuality, it's to find the beauty that's hidden within myself, that's reflected in this world by all the things I'm attracted to, and to find ways to use my own chukka, my own attraction, to build my life, to expand my life, to express my neshama into this world, we should be zeichel, all of us, to go back to the essence of who we are. And then Hashem should say it's time that the tree house has been built with the coming of Mashiach, the Meher